From COK Studios on Kurt Anderson's Catamaran, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. On today's show, we'll consider that the government shutdown has forced Consider Our Knowledge to furlough all of the staff except for me. Instead of a regular show this week, we'll be doing some of our best segments from 2018. We hope you'll enjoy this clip show, and we hope that the shutdown ends soon so that we can bring back the entire best-looking news team in public radio. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Nutella. Making it okay to spread chocolate on toast for breakfast and not feel guilty about it. Nutella. It's European or something. And The Whelping Box, the monthly clothing and accessory club exclusively for dogs. Choose from designer brands like Abercrombie & Fetch, Ruff Lauren, and Puppy Gap. Keep what you like and send back what you don't. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. We were off last week here at COK, and a flurry of important news stories happened while we were away. From the indictment of 13 Russians by Special Counsel Robert Mueller, to the Stormy Daniels scandal, to the tragic school shooting in Florida, last week was a pivotal one. While we need to get to our in-depth Winter Olympic coverage, the best-looking news team in public radio would be remiss if we didn't at least briefly discuss the plethora of stories from last week. To make sure that we cover everything that we can in a short amount of time, Dinah and I are going to do a roundup of last week's news. Billy Joel style. B. Sean Frise, D-A-C-A, Tillerson and Turkey, Infrastructure Plan. Trump budget nonsense, Ripon tells off Mike Pence, Parkview, FBI, it's so bad I want to cry. Trump didn't start the fire, but he lit the fuse, that was just fake news. We didn't start the fire, Donald did it, but he won't admit it. AR-15, Mueller Index 13, Military Parade, Mexican Wall. Stormy Daniels, Rob Porter, Kelly's leash is getting shorter, Black Panther, McMaster, Donald Trump is a disaster. Trump didn't start the fire, but he lit the fuse. That was just fake news. We didn't start the fire. Donnie did it, but he won't admit it. I think that just about covers it. Trump didn't start the fire, but he lit the fuse. That was just fake news. We didn't start the fire. Donald did it, but he won't admit it. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to our Consider Your Health series with Alex Truman. There have been a lot of health-related stories in the news lately, and we want to take some of your questions on them. Welcome back, Alex. Greetings, Cotter. Are you ready for this Ask Alex edition of Consider Your Health? Oh, just try and stop me. Okay, our first question comes from Bryce in Connecticut. Bryce, you're on the air. What's your question? Hi, Connor and Alex. My question is about childhood obesity. I read somewhere the other day that a new study shows the highest spike in obesity among children 2 to 5 since 1999. I thought we were getting better in that area as a nation, but it sounds like we aren't. 
Oh, I saw that study too, Bryce, and it's very depressing news. Home environments and parenting practices are key for keeping children healthy. It's not enough to just tell a child what to eat. Parents need to model it for their kids. Yeah, I try to do that, but it's so hard. We have two very obese six-year-olds, and we're trying to make sure they eat better. Well, uh, what kind of meal plan do you have them on? Well, they only want to eat candy and sweets, and we don't want to tell them no because we don't believe in it. So they've just plumped right up. Their little fingers won't even fit in their mittens. Oh, that's not a good way to help your kids stay healthy, Bryce. Try getting them onto healthier options and off the sweets if you can. Oh, I don't know. They don't do well with disappointment. Daddy, cake, now. Uh-oh, they need that cake. You're feeding them cake? It's nine in the morning. So? That's probably a huge part of the problem. Try some oatmeal or a healthy yogurt parfait with fresh fruit instead. So they shouldn't have cake for breakfast? No. Hmm, we'll have to give it a try. The twins do have some breathing problems when they go down the slide at the park. Cake! Ugh, I need to go. I'll see about getting them off the cake for breakfast. Maybe we'll try donuts. It sounds like Bryce has more problems than just obese children. Yeah, our show isn't long enough to deal with all that. Our next question is an email from Bethany. She wants to know why she was charged $1,496 for Curidin, a topical medication that treats toenail fungus. Ugh, that is ridiculous. I am so sorry for you, Bethany. That is way too much to pay for a drug that was probably one of many options available to you. As someone who has had her share of toenail fungi over the years, I can tell you there are lots of options, and they don't cost $1,400. Now, was her doctor just ignorant of the cost of that drug? Eh, possibly. Oftentimes, physicians are not aware of the patient's insurance coverage when they prescribe medication. I think that after a diagnosis based on nail clipping or scraping, Bethany should have been offered all the options available to her. For example, the oral treatments usually last three months, while the topical medicines must be used for a year. I prefer a little bit of both, since the toe fungus I have is so intense. Whew, it looks like a crop of mushrooms down there. Oh, so that's why you never wear sandals. Uh, alas, that is one of the many reasons. You don't want to hear about my toe dysplasia or chronic athlete's foot. No, I don't. Finally, we have a call from Stormy in New York. Hello, Stormy. I think this guy gave me crabs, but legally I can't ask him if he gave them to me. Oh, that's unfortunate. Crabs are not fun. You really should confirm with all your sexual partners to make sure that you don't spread them around. You really can't ask him to confirm if he gave them to you? No. Why not? I took a cash settlement to stay quiet about it. He's kind of a powerful man. Like, really powerful. Ah, I understand what you're saying. I think that you've said enough and that we all know who you got your pubic lice from. So what can I do to get rid of them? Ugh, well, burn all your clothes and sheets that came into contact with whoever gave them to you. <laughs> I did that long before I found out I had the crabs. Good for you. I think we all would have done the same. Good luck, Stormy. That was certainly an eye-opening call. But not really surprising when you think about it. No, not at all. Thanks for coming by, Alex. My pleasure.
That was Consider Your Health with Alex Truman. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Mata Magolis. Millions of people around the world tuned in on Saturday to watch the wedding of Britain's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. It was a beautiful and star-studded event that took place in St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. Beyond the pageantry and royal stagecraft of this fairy tale wedding, there was a genuine story about a changing Britain, a complicated American family, a woman of mixed racial background joining the royal family, a resilient monarchy, and the redemption of a wayward prince. We can explore all of those complex facets of the marriage of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, or we can talk about who was there, what people wore, and all the completely superficial parts of the wedding itself. Ooh, let's do that. Joining us now from London to give us their thoughts on the royal wedding are COK's senior monarchy correspondent, Cordell Nutbrock, and designer and stylist to the stars, Peter Grigio. Thanks for joining us, guys. Greetings! Hi there! Cordell, how did this royal wedding compare to others? Well, Marta, it was a little less formal than the wedding of Prince Charles and Princess Diana, or the wedding of Prince William and Kate Middleton. And this one had more American touches, seeing as Miss Markle is an American. For example, Bishop Michael Bruce Curry, the first African-American presiding bishop of the American Episcopal Church, was one of the officiants. Also, there were people all over Windsor and London wearing American flag-themed outfits mixed in with Union Jack-inspired items. The Queen reportedly wore American flag underpants as a sign of her support for her new granddaughter-in-law. I see. Were you able to see much of the goings-on around Windsor Castle on Saturday? Not really. There was a rather large woman in a Union Jack slanket that blocked my view of the parade route. I could just see a very small strip of what appeared to be Megan's earlobe as the carriage went through town. It was a lovely earlobe, by the way. I'm sure it was. I did get to chat with Lady Petunia Chatsworth, who is one of the longtime friends of the royal family, and here's what she had to say about the nuptials. As a long-time friend of the royal family, I am honoured to be here on this momentous day. It saddens me, though, that my close personal friend, the late Princess Diana, cannot be here in person to see her younger son marry this lovely young lady, who actually reminds me of Diana herself. I know she's here in spirit with me, as she always is. She truly was the people's princess. Yes, quite. Uh, do you have any thoughts for Prince Harry and Meghan on their special day? If only Diana were here. I miss her so. I was just remarking to my dear, dear friend, one of Diana's dear, dear friends, Sir Elton John, how she truly was a candle in the wind. I know if she were here, she would be so proud of Harry, as we all are. It was so tragic to have her taken from us. She truly was. The people's princess. So, no thoughts for the happy couple, then? Cherish these times, because life is short. Much like the all-too-short life of my dear, 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 dear Diana. I think of her every moment of every day. England's rose, gone before her time. All of those people using her image to get attention in the media, just awful. So tragic, so, so tragic. 
Did I mention that we were best friends? She used to summer at my cottage in Vickinghamshire before she was tragically killed. We loved her so. Dear Diana, she truly was the people's princess. Thank you, Lady Chatsworth. Well, there you have it, Marta. Peter, I know you were excited about the guests at the wedding. Who was there? Well, the guest list was a real who's who of big names, Marta. George and Amal Clooney were there. So was Serena Williams. Idris Elba, yum. The Beckhams were there as well. Victoria looked amazing in a navy blue sack dress that really accentuated her razor-sharp collarbones and resting bitch face. There were also some B-list stars that Megan worked with on her TV show, Suits. I was going to learn who they were, but then I just went on living my life. Anyone else? James Blunt and James Corden were there for some reason. I guess Harry likes carpool karaoke. I don't I don't know. Tom Hardy was there as well. Again, yum. A bunch of Prince Harry's ex-girlfriends. Awkward. And let's not forget Sir Elton John. He was there so that Elizabeth II didn't have to be the only old queen at the wedding. <laughs> uh. Oh, and the queen was there. Duh. I can't believe I forgot her. Obviously, the queen was there. She's the matriarch of the royal family. No, I meant Oprah. She looked stunning in a rose-colored dress and a hat. Oprah is the closest thing we have to royalty in this country. She just had to be there. Fair enough. Were there any dresses that stood out to you besides Oprah's? There were, but after we've already discussed Oprah, everything else is going to be a massive letdown. So now... I will say that I really liked Megan's dress. It was designed by British designer Claire Waite Keller, who last year became the first woman to serve as artistic director to Givenchy. She wore a more form-fitting white dress to the reception that was Stella McCartney. I tried to get her to wear one of my designs for the wedding, but I think I have her wrong email. Whoever told me it was hotprincessmegkkg at hotmail.com was a liar. That's too bad. We appreciate your insights on the wedding. That was Cordell Nutwalk and Peter Guigio live from London. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to our music series, Consider the Sound. A few years ago, we profiled a talented young artist named Hilda Scooby, whose only instruments are the ones she makes up with her mouth. Hilda is back with a very edgy new album and is currently on tour promoting it. Dinah caught up with Hilda and her band to talk about how her career is changing the music world. Hilda Scooby, welcome back to Consider the Sound. <laughs> I'm so stoked! To be here with you. <laughs> Tell us about the genesis for your new album, because it's really got a unique sound. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I've been traveling the world the past two years looking for new sounds and that I could duplicate with my mouth, because that's how I make my music. I went all over just listening for sounds, like this. <laughs> that's an angry minor bird. Or this. That's an old man slurping tapioca pudding. Or this. That's the horn of a Fiat 500. Wow. So, where did you go on your two-year journey? All over. 
I was in Italy and Sumatra and Burma. <laughs> Sorry, you probably know it as Myanmar. I was in Death Valley and Ohio and Orlando. This is the sound of the wind across the desert in Death Valley. And this is the sound of a child crying in line at Star Tours in Disney World. <laughs> I used all this natural music in my new album. These are the sounds of the new music I'm creating. So, do you play any instruments at all? No. Never. I once played the tuba on a dare, but that's it! Every sound that is on my album came from my mouth or the mouths of my backup band. Yes, this is the first time you've used a backup band. Tell us about that. Well, I wanted more sound, and since I only have one mouth, <laughs> wink, I needed more mouths. More mouths equals more sound. It's just math. I see. What's the name of the band? The Scooby Snacks. It's just two guys with some very talented sound-making mouths. I had to work with them a lot because not everybody can duplicate the sounds of a gerbil in heat like I can. You want to hear what that sounds like? I do. <laughs> Impeccable. Oh, you know what that sounds like. My gift is hard to transfer, but I think we did a great job as we worked on the album. Right, guys? Oh, introduce us to the rest of the band, if you wouldn't mind. Sure thing. Over here we've got Skip Irvine. His specialties are groaning, panting, and piano noises. I was a constant pianist until I heard Hilda's first album, Spaying New to Your Ears, and then I was hooked. I stopped playing the piano and started using my mouth as my instrument. I haven't touched the piano in six years. I've also been unemployed and living in a shed on my parents' property since then, but, uh, but I'll do anything for my music. Skip is the best. He kept sending me letters, and then we finally met over absinthe and ladyfingers, and we just clicked musically. Not in any other way, though. Skip is gross. Yeah, I'm quite unattractive. Skip, make some piano sounds for the people. Ooh, piano sounds. Piano sounds, piano sounds. Oh, brilliant. Wow. Sounds exactly like a piano, right? Yeah. Over here is Murphy Moon. He's my go-to for the high-pitched sounds and the lowest of the low. His range is incredible. Thanks. I was in choir as a kid, but then when my voice changed, they kicked me out. I can still hit the high notes in falsetto, though. I went to college, and then I was the bass baritone for a series of barbershop quartets. The Dapper Dans, the Lucky Larrys, the Handsome Hunks, the Merry Melody Makers, the Burly Bears, that was a gay quartet, the Roaming Rovers, the Barber Shoppingtons, the Sterling Silvers, the Nervous Nellies, the Frisky Freddies. How many barbershop quartets were you in? Only ten more. You know, for the sake of brevity, let's just hear a song from the new album. Sure, we did our own remix of a song that was very popular a few years back, but we've added our own twist to it. <laughs> piano sounds, 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 Piano 
What do you think? It's unlike anything I've ever heard before. <laughs> Told you. Didn't I tell her, boys? Dude! Yeah, you did. Oh. Hilda Scooby and the Scooby Snacks, we appreciate the time today. Yes, me too. I'm <laughs> brilliant. Hilda Scooby and the Scooby Snacks' new album, Ear Pregnancy, is out now and available on Hilda's personal music streaming service, Scoobify. For Consider the Sound, I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us for more news and stories on Twitter at ConsiderOurKnow. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do it at iTunes or at Stitcher.com. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Jeremiah Knight, Hobart Willis, and Spencer Cannon. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley.